Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 13 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each week, the P4C Podcast delivers rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our current series is from P4C 2021, Scripture, the Ultimate Authority. We now join our speaker for the conclusion of last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. You may be asking at this point, Daniel, I don't see the word written in this passage anywhere. And your question is a valid one. But the arrangement and order in which Peter speaks and writes is important. The comparison of ideas and the order Peter gives things is important. A voice from heaven and we have a more sure prophetic word. The phrase, the prophetic word in Peter's day, embraced the entire written Old Testament. So when he uses that phrase, everybody would have known what he meant. Let's go to Romans 16, 25 through 27, where Paul gives us a a doxology and, and beautifully confirms this truth of the prophetic word being written and sure. So Romans 16, 25 through 27, And let's read that together, or I'll read it to you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret from long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. We see here primarily that the context Peter is speaking and referring to is the Old Testament writings of the prophets. You see, all anyone would have had at that time would have been the Old Testament writings. It's not like they had the New Testament in its complete form at that point. It was being written. And we do know that Peter, at the end of Second Peter confirms Paul's writings as being true. But this time in which he is writing, all they would have possessed any kind of written form is the Old Testament, whether it was in whole or in part. And I think it's also interesting to note and observe about the working of God before Christ came is how they heard about God, how they heard of God or heard from God. And unless it was through prophets, it was not an everyday occurrence, meaning an audible voice was not something people just walked out and heard an audible voice all the time. It was not an everyday occurrence. It was something special. Hearing from God in an audible way was primarily regulated to the prophets. And the people of God heard the word of God when it was read to them or told to them in a corporate setting with the prophets or what they had written. And oddly enough, the Jews preferred the written word. They loved to hold on to it and to study it and to read it. They gave attention to it publicly when they would gather and they would read it. Kings were required to write out their own copies of the Old Testament or what they had at that time. And I think something we have to remember now, just looking just before Christ came, is that for 400 years, it passed with complete prophetic silence until Christ came. 
and fulfill the written prophet's words. Christ descended upon his people and broke the prophetic silence and fulfilled the written words of the prophets. Their regard for the Old Testament cannot be overestimated since it was through the scriptures the prophets gave the greatest argument and calls for God and his son, Jesus Christ. And why is this? Because it was written and it could be read and remembered over and over again. The only way you will grow in the knowledge of Christ and counter any false teaching is by knowing the Christ who has been revealed in his word. It's the only way. And we cannot look at the written word of God given through the prophets as a magic lamp that we rub and a genie comes out and grants all of our wishes and and answers all of our questions. The scriptures were written and the prophet spoke for one, pur- for one purpose, to reveal Christ and to perpetuate a faith in us. John MacArthur says, a primary solution to false teaching is knowledge of true doctrine, of the word. Know the scriptures, you will know the lies. Counter those, becomes very evident, very clear. What is truth? Now, we've talked a lot about stuff here. And I think it's important for us to pause a moment for, I think, personal application. Now, an observation that I've noticed in my own life, and I think I see culturally, is that we've lost the significance and weight of something written in our culture due to the abundance of information that we have and the carefree, non-committal nature of social media. Like, we just put something up there and... And you know, I'm sorry, and we delete it, and it's gone. Our cancer culture mentality and desire for safety and safe spaces thinks we can delete and sponge or tear down ages of what has been written in hopes it loses its influence or effect. But this is simply not true. Words matter, and more importantly, written words matter and carry influence and consequence no matter how true or untrue they may be. All we have to do is look at history. Hitler, Stalin, they wrote things and they have consequences. Simply put, we as sinful human beings do not like that which is written because if it's written, it means we have to read it. If we read it, it means it has implication for our lives. And by way of encouragement, I would encourage you I'm a digital guy, I have a phone, I even use, refer to the Bible on my phone. I would encourage you at times to put down your digital Bible, pick up a, a written word, it will be much less distracting. Your Facebook, your Instagram, your email, whatever, sports, whatever it is you follow that keeps popping up on there will not distract you. Read the word. A word spoken is early forgotten. A word written is there to be read and remembered forever. But then we see the petition of the word superior in focus. So we see the possession of the word we have. It's sure, the prophetic word is, is sure. But then Paul, can, or excuse me, Peter continues to exhort us. And he says, you do well to pay attention. This phrase is really compelling because it's given us a command and asking us to be really good at the command just given. 
You need to do very well at paying attention. Don't just try to pay attention, but be the best and most attentive at paying attention. So in other words, pay attention. Be good at it. Peter's commanding us to be active at being very good at giving devotion to the written word of God. Whatever it takes, do it. You gotta get up early in the morning. Maybe you do it before you go to bed. Maybe you take a break during the middle of the day. I don't know what works for you. Get in the word. Be good at giving attention to the word. But then there's the, the promise of this word that will shine in darkness. So if we read it, we give attention to it, we're good at giving attention to it, it's gonna shine through the darkness. Martin Luther puts it this way, for if there was another light besides the word, Peter would not have spoken as he did. He spoke this way because the word was important. And the word lamp here, which is talking about shining in darkness, is here and it's key because many want to translate this candle. And I did not know this. This was very interesting to me when I was doing some reading on this. And, and really candle is kind of a weak translation Lamp is a better translation. A candle gives very little light, but a lamp will shine much light over darkness. And that's what word of God will do. It will shine into the dark world. It will shine in our hearts and reveal the things that we need to know and see. When you read it, it convicts and reveals those places in your heart where you're not walking in obedience to Christ. God's word is the greatest inhibitor to sin because the written word is the clearest form of communication of the Christ we love and adore. And we know that even though we have a more sure word in our hands, upon Christ's return, his light will shine in our hearts more abundantly and we will see him clearly as he is. But until then, we have the written words, my friends. It's here. Read it. Get into it. We have a more sure word, a more sure prophetic word, shining light in the dark places. Finally, we have the common error. We won't spend a ton of time here because Dad did such a great job of talking about inerrancy and sufficiency and really kind of developing those ideas, but we've seen the confirming experience. We've seen the countering exhortation that Peter gives us, but now we see the common error, and I think this is very applicable to us, even though there's specific things that are being said here. It's very applicable to us today, and what we see here is the impersonal interpretation. This is a common error. And this has not to do with our own personal ideas about Scripture or even how to interpret Scripture, but rather the understanding that Scripture was unveiled and revealed by God alone. That's important. Yes, men wrote it, but this was revealed and unveiled by God alone. Again, this is not mere myth or stories. This is not the working of some false prophet's ideas, but rather the scriptures are given by God through the Holy Spirit, and the scriptures are very clear in truth. I think an application that can be made here, though he's speaking against false prophets, and the context is that, I think an application that can be made here is we have no room for personal interpretation. We can come to and say, well, this is what it means to me. This is what I think it means from my experience. 
would encourage you to guard against it. Look at what the text says. Be faithful to the text. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say something or take a passage of scripture out of context and you're like, that's not what it's saying. When seen in the larger context of scripture, we like to find those little verses and we kind of like to hang our hats on them, but sometimes it doesn't mean what we think it means because it's meaning something within a larger context. We must always ask ourselves, what does the text say? And what does it say in the larger context? If it's inspired by God, we must seek the truth. But we have the personal interpretation, but we also have personal determination. Scripture never originated from human will. The apostles were led to write as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's what the passage says here which means they were continually carried along by the Holy Spirit as they walked their normal course of life. They were inspired directly from the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures you now hold in your hands. The word of God is infallible. It is without error because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It has been breathed out by God through the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, the Holy Spirit will never contradict or lead contrary to the written word of God that he inspired and wrote. That's key. Again, I think it's important for us to apply this personally because so many times we do this. I see it. We often reduce the Holy Spirit or the notion of God speaking to us as an imagined thought or idea. And whatever thought was put in your head, perceived or real, or real, we must remember that God's prompting through the Holy Spirit will never lead contrary to God's word. Yes, the Holy Spirit does convict and prompt us. Believe that, the word of God says it. But never apart from the written word of God. It would be antithetical in the economy of God and how he has chosen to speak to his people. The Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures. Why would he speak contrary to his word? That's important. And people will often say, I wish I could just hear a voice from God telling me what I should do. If he just tell me what I should do, I'd do it. It'd be so easy. You do have a voice from God. It is found in the written word of God. If you will not obey the written word of God, what is to make you think that you will obey some voice from heaven? First of all, you'd probably be like, what? What is this? (laughs) You have it in your hands. The rich man and Lazarus story, I think you're very familiar with if you've done any study of scripture it's found in Luke 16 19 through 31 I think this story from God's word in the gospels clearly demonstrates this so turn to Luke 16 19 through 31 we'll read that together and all we need to do is read it it's very clear the word of God speaking to us 16 19 through 31 there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen And who feasted sumptuously every day. 
And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abram's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, and Hades mean another term for hell, he was in judgment. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. And he calls out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abram said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like matter, bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And the rich man said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come in this place of torment. And this is key. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead and speak to them. The word of God. We have it. It is sure it is steadfast. It is not a myth. Now, I told you a story at the beginning of my grandfather, loved to fish, the one that got away. We don't know how big it was, so there's a little bit of myth to the story. But in closing, I want to circle back around. It's a side note, many of you may not know that he passed away at the beginning of the year. I learned much from him and carry much with me today of his memory. However, as much as my grandpa liked to fish and tell stories about his fish and his experiences in life, he did not live his life upon myth. He lived his life based completely and solely upon the written word of God. Through my growing up years and even into my adulthood, I could go back into the back bedroom and his chair, well-worn, where he would sit, he'd read his Bible every night. Sometimes there's four or five copies there he would go through and highlight. Now, you've got to understand something about this man. He was no scientist. He was no engineer. He was no surgeon. He was a truck driver, a blue-collar worker. But he loved the word, the written word of God. So the man who would tell fish stories galore based his life on the word of God. And my question to you tonight is simple. Do you base your life upon the written word of God you hold in your hand? Or is it lived through feeling that come from experiences that fade? Peter, I saw God. I heard a voice from heaven 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He saw he was audience to, to Christ's glorification. It doesn't seem to get any better than that. And then he says, we, meaning us, the people he's writing to, we have a more sure word of prophecy. My friends, that is why we are here studying the word of God. That is why it is our theme, because the scriptures are written and they are sure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word. Thank you that your word is sufficient. It is inerrant without error. We thank you we have the Apostle Peter who encourages us that it is not based upon myth. Though he experienced it and can verifiably verify it. We have a more sure word in our hands. May we read it. May we be good at paying attention to it. May we allow it to shine a lamp into the dark corners of our hearts. And may we seek you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we dive into a new session from Passion for Christ 2021. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for his glory each and every day.